Well, there we have it. We have sunny and 50 degrees for the gold medal, but who, who is going to take the silver? Welcome to What Is It About the Weather podcast, where we explore the many ways that weather intertwines itself into our lives. I'm your host, Mark Jelinek, and this week we're going to actually talk about secondary weather, second place weather, whatever you want to call it. All right. I went with the medal theme, clearly because we're in the Olympics. And before we get to the main topic, let's talk about Olympic weather. It's been a little crazy. Beijing, interesting choice. They don't get tons of snow. It does get cold. I mean, a lot of people just, you know, our geographies get messed up around the world, right? And, and even, you know, for instance, me here in the U.S., when I think about Europe and I think about the climates of Europe, sometimes I don't realize how much further north they sit than the U.S. and that, you know, the ocean currents kind of drive what weather we get. So we get we get kind of jumbled up, right? And a lot of people just don't realize that Beijing is pretty landlocked. And so snow can be kind of an iffy thing. And, and the Olympics has proven that. The early part of the Olympics this year, everything was completely man-made snow. And it was really hard. And you heard, you know, athletes, some athletes were complaining. Some, some sports it works better for to have it a really nice, hard, compacted snow. And then in the past couple of days, there's been just an abundance of snow at most of the venues, too much so to where they had to stop events and postpone events and reschedule events. I was watching the giant slalom and they almost stopped. There's two runs for it and they were going to stop it. They, they let it finish, but I mean, you could tell, I mean, they had had to you know really maintain the course throughout because at the very bottom where the skiers kind of finish, right. They were just plowing into some really deep snow. So I, you know, you can't you, no matter what happens you're not going to make everybody happy with snow that's for sure all i do know is fresh snow or lots of powdery snow is good for certain types of skiing but race skiing is definitely not one of it, it tends to slow things down with everything it makes stuff softer but it does tend to slow speeds down now i had a little fresh snow this morning myself thankful for that it was actually a really really warm week so i was a bit taken aback that we had snow in the forecast but you know it's still winter and despite being a couple warm days I guess I really shouldn't have been surprised generally speaking pretty mild winter for me couple of weeks of colder temps but overall it's definitely been on the warmer side any case I it was I, I want to call it conglomeration snow. I, I took some pictures. I don't know if I can blow up one good enough again in the in the cover art. I may use one, but I was able to take a couple of pictures. It was it's almost like cotton snow. It's the best way I know to describe it for you. So it was almost like a bunch of fibers coming together, and you could I got a picture where you could actually see a bunch of individual flakes kind of grouped together which was kind of interesting to see when I went out this morning just to take a look at what was going on. You, know, you, you have winter-type shrubs and trees and stuff, but on some of the shrubs where you know all the, the leaves have come off, it almost looked like a cotton plant, right? Because the way it was holding together and falling together, it was definitely a wetter snow. It's great for snowballs. You know, it was that kind of, of snow uh, versus the one I had a couple of weeks ago. So. Uh, neat. And again, I, I, I guess I did post a picture on 
Twitter. If you want to see one, you can definitely go there and, and check it out. I'll put a link to my Twitter. I know not everybody's connected on Twitter and not everybody wants to be on Twitter. I get that. But if you want to see this one picture, I'll, I'll try to send a link and put it in the show notes so you can at least go take a, a gander at it. Now, the whole warm weather really threw me off. As you know, a couple weeks ago had a, a, a reasonable snow event. Actually, it's pretty cold. Few inches of snow, probably. What did I think? We got about eight inches of snow here around me, eight nine inches somewhere in that range. And there's a place that I go hike on a regular basis called Bear Mountain here in New York, and I actually I ride to it as well. So it's it's well known to hikers and bikers, and it's a park that a lot of people use in the summertime as well. It's just a, it's a really nice setting. It's right on the Hudson River, and. There's a lot of outdoor space, and I've hiked it in warm times, and I've hiked it in cold times. Last year, I went around this time and hiked it, but with as warm as it was, I made just a a fundamental mistake. So I was going, we're like, okay, let's go for a hike. Let's go do something. Let's get out of the house. So I headed to Bear Mountain, got up there, right, and looking around, the lake's still frozen. I'm like, okay. But everything, you know, there were still some signs of snow. But for the most part, you know, it was in shady spots. But it wasn't completely everywhere. But then I was reminded of this fundamental principle of trails in the winter when there's any snow at all. So what happens is, and, you know, I don't blame anybody for this. Probably that when that snow fell, a lot of people went out and hiked it. And it's it's wonderful to do that, right? And one of the benefits of hiking when snow first falls or, or early on is it hasn't melted and refrozen. And either, A, it's still puffy, or the alternative to that is it's compacted, but there's still some, there's enough of a grip to it. But by now it had melted and refrozen at night and that sort of thing to where it, there was so, it was so dense and so packed that it was essentially just a sheet of ice. And though the temperatures were warm enough where in some places it was a little melty, it just, it became unbearable. And of course, I had bought spikes just last year. These, and they're relatively inexpensive. If, if, any of you live in areas where you get snow and you've always been reluctant to go out and do it, you can get these little micro spikes and they're, they really are cheap. They're like 20 to $50, depending on which brand you buy. But essentially they're just, you know, little miniature versions of crampons, like, you know, what serious hikers might use when they're climbing on ice and they give you just enough grip. And it's all I really needed yesterday, but yeah, alas, they were at home. So we got, we got pretty far and we're doing, we were doing more off trail because without, the ice in the way, it made it easier in some ways, but it was still kind of that time of year where you had the leaves from the fall and everything was wet, so it was slippery no matter how you sliced it. We had fun nonetheless. It was it was a nice day to get outside and enjoy it. And like I said, I got home, and the next day I had snow. So I can't complain too much. Works for me. I hope your weather's been good. Let me know. Like I said, I, I've been intrigued being able to watch the Olympics and watch how weather impacts the events there, both in a good and a bad way. It's just, it's been a good time to enjoy kind of weather for me. And, you know, being a winter weather kind of person, I always enjoy the snow. But I hope yours is going well. Always. I, I'd like to hear your snow stories. I like to hear just your weather stories in general. What is about the weather at gmail.com? Of course, you can find me on Twitter. It'll be easy. It'll, there'll be a link in the show notes. I guess I should always have that there, shouldn't I? Uh-huh, he says to himself. And or what 
Mark underscore Jelinek or what is about the weather on on Twitter, either or. Uh, so should be able to track me down that way. All right, let's get into second place weather and why I even bring it up. Okay. Now, this was a story you've heard me mention photography with the photo book uh, that I got recently. I, I, I like photography. At moments, I like to think I could be pretty decent at it, but I also know there's people at it that do it for a living and even that are amateur that do a significantly better job than I do. Now, doesn't mean I don't like it any less. It doesn't mean that I don't give it a try. It just means that I'm a realist with things. But I also know that weather uh, in itself can make both an interesting topic, but sometimes it's how weather influences the scene, right? Sets the tone, if you will, that's the more interesting element of the role it plays, right? And I was thinking about that as I was out today trying to grab some pictures of snowflakes with my phone versus having a real camera. And again, I was able to pull some things off while not being able to really hold the the phone still, you know. But the challenges that are just involved, and this is just for me, somebody that likes to do this thing. But photography is an example of a profession where weather can have a real impact. Now, as always, we don't need to just stick to the weather example. We can think about many things. You know, if you don't think of it that way, if your work doesn't have that kind of direct weather influence, and many of us, it, it's just not there, right? Maybe you're, whether you're sitting in front of a computer all day or working behind the counter or, you know, it doesn't matter what you're doing. If you're not outside, right, there's a good chance that, the work you're doing is is not impacted by weather. And even some outside things, depending on where you are, weather may just not have a, a primary influence. But usually there's something, right, that, that impacts your work or, or that can cause a, ch- a, a need to adapt, if you will. Or it could be a hobby like photography. So, you know, you may be able to relate, whatever it is. And like I said, sometimes the weather can play that role. Sometimes it can be other things. But I started thinking about the context of stuff because we'll, we'll get to, you know, this landscape photography story that I, that I came into. But it started me thinking about, you know, as always, I try to relate things and, and how it's relevant to other things we do. So the concept we're going to be talking about is thinking about with the primary options not available. Okay. So let's get into this article, but I want you to be thinking about how you think about your alternate choice or your alternate option in, in whatever it might be that you're doing. And, and, and maybe we'll even discuss a few examples as we go through this. But I came across this posting and it really, it links to a guy who's done about a 15 minute video about reading weather maps. So we're going to get from, we're going to connect point A to point B, but his point was he's a landscape photographer. Now, when I think landscape photographer, I think of somebody that you know does landscaping and then takes or takes pictures of newly landscaped things. But this is somebody that does what I would call large photo, right? When you think of landscape photography, you're thinking of setting, you know, a mountain scene or a you know a big field scene. We're not talking somebody that does portraits or that kind of stuff. Think outdoors, think bigs, think, and and it, that can be particularly challenging, right? Anybody that's ever taken a picture knows that. 
when you're talking about big stuff, it's so hard to capture the essence of something. It's never represented the same in a picture, right? Because you're looking at this little small thing or on a small screen, or even if it's on a TV or a movie screen, it, it just doesn't feel the same as the whole field of, of vision being covered by the same. So they've already got that kind of challenge. But he was talking about how weather forecasts have thrown off his ability in the past and, and, because the weather just wouldn't turn out what he was expecting because, you know, he's looking for maybe the fog to set a certain way across a field or a rainbow to appear because of the time of day when rain's going to come, whatever it might be. And the whole video goes into how he learned to read weather maps to know really what were the chances of that primary weather happening and potentially how to plan around that. Okay. And I like his video. I'm linking it in the show notes. And you can, it's, a, it's an introduction to how to read a weather map from a non-meteorology perspective. And I think that's always useful. So if you're interested in weather to that level, give it, give it a watch, right? I, it, like I said, I don't think he does anything wrong. But, of course, when I'm watching it, I'm going, eh, I'm not sure I'd teach it that way or, or give that perspective. But that's in my head, right? But he goes into learning and why it became valuable for him to understand what a weather map actually was. And and not necessarily a weather map that you think of an old style with cold fronts and warm fronts, but what's generated in a computer model and why it matters. Now, what I want to take it to is that's an interesting first step, but really if he wanted to take it to the next step, he would understand a few other things, right? Because sometimes when we're looking at it and you know, in the context of what that secondary weather is, and I'll, I'll give you an example, and I did this with the intro. So let's say I'm going for a ride tomorrow, and I wake up, and it's supposed to be, it could be, in the in the primary forecast is for it to be sunny and around, I don't know, 50 degrees Fahrenheit, okay? Like it, you know, actually it was a little warmer than that when, when I was hiking yesterday, but when I got up, it probably would have been about that temperature, right? Very pleasant. Whereas this morning I woke up, and it was snowing and freezing, okay? And sometimes, even within the same day, you may have those two possible outcomes depending on the timing of when weather is going to come through or if it's even going to come through that way, right? So you may be more sensitive to precipitation versus not or temperature changes, you know, warm versus cold in, in terms of what you have to wear. And what I tell people when they're thinking about weather forecasts, that's kind of what you got to decide is how locked in are you to the time of, of something coming through, like a frontal passage versus the conditions being one thing or another, all right? And can you be flexible? And what this gets into is the idea that sometimes you need to understand, and I think this is what he was getting at, there's this, you know, maybe weather is a little displaced, all right, in terms of space. Maybe weather is a little bit different in terms of timing, but let's say he, the guy wants to go do a photograph of a, of a rainbow, and the sun needs to be at a right angle for rainbows to really be effective in work, okay? But if that the timing on the rain is two or three hours off, he needs to plan on something else, and I think that's kind of the fundamental idea, right, is it's not necessarily abandoning what you're going to do. It's planning for if things aren't exactly panning out the way you want to. And we've talked about that before, right? That's not a new topic for us. But 
The other thing you always need to keep in mind, we have this thing, anybody that's ever, you, you, we've probably all heard it, and I mentioned it here before, that idea of the bell curve, right? So, you know, if it's going to rain, it's not a question of where the peak of that bell curve is going to be. It's where the peak of that bell curve is going to be in the time of day. And that is what he was kind of focused on. But what if it doesn't look like a bell curve? What if the, the scenarios are like I just laid out, which is one is, you know, sunny, maybe not really hot, but pleasant versus cold and snowy. And that's what we call a, a bimodal distribution, right? It's kind of one or the other. So it may not just be about the timing. It may be whether the weather is actually going, the you know, what I'm calling the weather event, but the drastically different profile is going to happen to you or not. And, and this could be the same for whether you're going to get a tropical cyclone making landfall near where you live and it being hundreds of miles away. And it, you know, it can, that can depend on time horizons or how far away you're looking. But certain things may depend on just how close you are to where the passing weather is going to be. And I think this is true. And, and this is kind of what I wanted to get at is when you are, let's say you're hiring somebody for a job, right? And you've got a primary candidate. And there's a real risk if you go out after just that one person and put all your energy into that and don't have a backup right? Now, the primary candidate may have things you need in, let's say you have five categories of skills you're looking for, and they may be the best in one, two, and three, or maybe those are your primary things. But it's like, what's that secondary candidate going to be, or are you going to start over, right? And we do this with medical stuff all the time. It's when you're getting a second opinion. A lot of times, what you want to know with a second opinion is, is, is the alternative just a modified slight variance in what's being suggested, such that it really, and today you're still going to end up doing the same course of treatment or whatever it is, or is it a drastically different scenario, a bimodal scenario? So it's important in life and in your weather forecast, and this is what you don't get to with most weather apps, even when they show you a percentage or a probability, is they don't always break down that probability between option A and option B, right? So this may be the 60% option, but does the 40% option look close to the 60% option or is it dramatically different? You know, if you don't care if it rains, then what does it matter whether it rains a little bit or a lot? If, if, if your first thing is going to be going for a picnic and there's a chance of a tenth of an inch or eight inches, but you're going for a picnic and you don't want to sit in the rain, then it doesn't really matter. Right, So a lot of times whenever you're thinking about whatever you're going through, whatever decision you're making, I just recommend that you think about what is the distinguishing characteristics that define your second place. And that's how you should probably think about your weather forecast as well. It's just a different scenario of when we go through life and how we prioritize things and how we make the alternate choice possibility something that's livable and functionable in what we're trying to do and and you know you've heard me mention that before is you know yes you're planning on a but what is what do you do for b right or what's your backup plan and your backup plan approach may need to be different depending on how sensitive that first item is and now in his profession what he's probably learning to do is say okay if i don't get my primary outcome how do i minimize the risk of having something still have been worthwhile to go to all the effort to put in a day's worth of work to get this amazing shot and still have a chance. Maybe it's not the best shot in the world, but maybe it's still a useful thing. 
no matter which weather scenario he gets? Or is that the day he should be inside doing photo editing because it's just not the right, it's not the right weather profile because there's too much variability or there, it's not even bimodal, it's trimodal or, or there's, you know, eight possible outcomes and none of them are high enough probability. And even collectively, they're not, it's just, there's too much potential downside that it doesn't make it worthwhile. And you should think about weather that way, just like we do many things in life. I don't know. I thought it was interesting. Like I said, I would suggest you you watch his video because what I'm also interested in and hearing from you guys is, did you find it interesting? It's like a 15-minute video. And I think the guy's in Germany, but the video is in English. And is that sort of method of him relating what he does to a way of utilizing a weather forecast, at least something more than a standard app would give you, useful. I'd be interested in your perspective. Again, what is about the weather, gmail.com, or find me on Twitter, whatever else it is. But in the meantime, whether it's photography, whether it's you're an athlete competing in the Olympics, it doesn't matter. If you have a need... For a primary and secondary, it's probably worth taking the time to know a little bit more. But that holds true for so many things in life, doesn't it? Doesn't it? And let us never forget that there's much more to weather than the weather itself. <laughs>